motherfucking check. Shit is in effect. Shit is in effect. Yeah. Yeah. Are we recording? Oh, okay. Thanks, Pete. Hi, welcome to Counter Currents. Uh, this is episode number I forget, but it's a extremely special episode because this is the first one where I'm not joined by my typical co-host Elena Torres. She's out shooting a film somewhere in Hollywood. Oh, she thinks she's better than you. Yeah, yeah, she's big time in me. No more shines. No. So uh, I got you know just a kind of uh, run of the mill act, uh, Jen Kirkman. <laughs> You know, I live in Hollywood, and I, I'm not shooting a film. I'm here. Yeah. That's not fair. No, it isn't. When Arlington's your satellite from Hollywood, I don't think you're really... Uh, they don't need to fly sure people into Hollywood to do gigs. They have plenty of people there already. What the fuck? So I don't what's know. good, Jen Kirkman? How you doing? I'm all right. I was just saying to you off mic that I'm in a great mood because yeah. I'm about to be on my last show for the weekend. That's and there's no better feeling, feeling than knowing it's almost over. Yeah. And you get that burst of energy on stage when you're halfway done and you're like, yeah, freedom. I can taste it. Last show is always the best anyway, I've found. That's just a rule of thumb. In what way? Because I sort of disagree. I think that, like, the first show of the first night is just people pre-gaming. They're, they're kind of like comedy bucket list audience where mm. they're just sort of like, oh, we can try a show, we'll have a couple drinks, and we'll go to the hookah bar, whatever they're going to do, you know. <laughs> and the second show, the first night, is a little bit more jazzed up, and then the ascension continues into the next night, and then it's the real bang for the fucking... I out. felt the bang at the first show because to me it's always I feel like the first show Saturday always sells well no matter what and you've got a good mix of like we're just happy to be at a show we might not know you then you've got some fans but then the second show I feel like is not sold as well usually and so it's a little bit of a come down and people are drunker yeah there is I've had I've dealt with that element before yeah. Yeah. so that's why I'm not like thrilled but I have a pretty good non-drunky magoo kind of audience i think that's what as, they seem like as i saw them walking out yeah tonight. as as kasha the host tonight said to me last night she goes some old people in the audience and i go what's old she's like oh, like late 40s 50s i'm like <laughs> that's my age i'm well i'm early 40s i was like that's not old she was kind of like i didn't know people that age went out yeah <laughs> well, the thing is, the ones I spotted that looked to be in their late 40s and early 50s just now seem kind of like PTA types, you know? Really? Yeah. Coming into my show? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They better, they better not be too uptight. No, they were they were cool. They were like, you know, cool to be going, seeing you perform. Cooler than PTA types, but still, they weren't quite like VFW types or something, I totally you know? get what you mean. Yeah. Right. There's like a gradation. That's when you, when such you, a good three-letter Three letters to capture two different types of people, PTA, VFW. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not like they're 50 and tattooed and maybe missing a tooth and they've got some stories. Sure. You That's wanna, a VFW. If you're being casually ageist, you mm -hmm. want to be, like, specific. That's so good. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel I can be because I am almost their age. So, yeah. You know. I actually, you know, I just really read up on you today i have to confess i mean That's i've all right. checked out some clips and yeah. everything oh, i have clips a are terrible aren't they no they were fucking funny but i, I mean laughed. isn't the con whenever someone says to you i checked out clips doesn't that give you 
a terror in your soul. Like, what did you see? I'm sure yeah. something someone put on YouTube that I don't want. Yeah, you know. yeah, and I totally just, you know, threw that in your face. I'm really <laughs> fucking this interview up right now. No, you're not at all. No, I know. Um, But I also checked out, you know, Wikipedia, some back stuff, whatever. And you're originally from Needham, Massachusetts. Is that right? That's so right. So Wikipedia is not all bullshit. No, the, okay. the, there is a weird entry that says my nephew suffers from gigantic. I read that too. But I that's wasn't, not yeah. true. No, that isn't. No, <laughs> I don't know why that is on there. There's a lot of weird stuff on there. You, you can report a, that for vandalism. I well, believe. there's e next level trolling on my Wikipedia. I don't even look at it anymore because yeah. you can't delete it. Right. Someone else has to go in right. and do. So I don't even look because I'll get too upset. But I do know that one's there. I don't know why. Yeah, it's but, a little bit disturbing. But yeah. you got into comedy. What I did like reading out of what I read thematically was that you're definitely not ever trying to have kids, and I think that's just fantastic. I'm definitely because I don't want to have any of my own. No, I was told when I got into comedy, which was sort of later than most people. I was like 30 when I started. Oh yeah, that is. I mean, I don't think it is, but technically, people would say that's late. Right. Because it, we get nervous. We forget we're not gymnasts. We don't right. need to be young. Right. No, no. It actually kind of <laughs> helps better. being older because you kind of have like a voice. In you a know sense, who you are. Yeah, because more. my first eight years, 22 to 30, they weren't overly productive. I didn't, uh, no one needed to hear me then. I right. didn't know who I was really. Right. So I wasn't getting, you know, one of the things that I realized was I could say something at 22 that, that, maybe technically was funny sure. but it, like okay this perfect example not wanting kids so i've always known that yeah yeah i did some jokes about it when i was in my early 20s nobody cared because i look like a baby-faced kid and they're like she doesn't know what she wants who cares yeah yeah it, it has more weight to it when you say it at 40 something oh yeah and i think the the first years of comedy in your 20s are good for practicing and whatever but it doesn't matter. It's, sure. It, I think starting later is Especially better. Especially a woman that says it out loud. Like, there aren't too many that I've found that are, like, 40-something and are, like, happy. Like, yeah, I'm not fucking doing it. Bam. You don't think of, well, do you mean regular women or comedian women? Because I think comedian women mostly don't have kids, and they do mention it. I mean regular women. Yeah, regular yeah. women. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. They, they usually. It's, it becomes uh, kind of a point of, like shame or yeah. sadness and it's really unfortunate because the thing is of like the n most men i know that are normal or whatever they're always on some like genghis khan shit in their 20s like oh yeah i gotta like keep the line going or whatever <laughs> and then they're 39 what, what if we're dead we're not gonna know that we have right. anyone to pass on we're it, not gonna be aware of it yeah and the thing is the game's fucking over like steve jobs won you know what i mean like you're not <laughs> gonna fucking <laughs> What, what do you got to do? Uh, you know, um, I, but then when they're 39 and they got like a two year old, they never call me or hang out anymore. And when they do, they just bitch about. That's the worst. Whatever. And I, I found that with, um, you know, it's funny, like as a comedian, I know probably equal amount of women and men. But but when your men comedian friends marry non-comedian women right suddenly just because you're women you're yeah. expected to have something in common so when i go to parties or dinners or whatever with my male comedian friends and i'm hanging out with their wives yeah 
we I kind of get brushed off with the wives and I don't have anything to talk to them about because they all have kids. And I, there were years there where the wives were like, you should have them though because you'll change your mind and you'll regret it. And right. I was like, I'm so confident that, you know, there's things I'm not going to do before I'm 95 on my deathbed. And I might lay there and go, I never climbed Mount Everest or I never went to China. Right. I wonder what that would have been like. Oh, well. It's the same thing with kids. I'm not, it's not going to hurt my soul. And there are children around. Yeah. I can help them or babysit or mentor. I don't really have the emotional capacity for a child. Yeah, no, me neither. Best I could do from is, you know, find one on the street and be like, here's $5, go to the <laughs> store, get me some crab chips and some fucking... Grape well, so you, soda or something. You you're know? giving them money to get you something. Like, they yeah, don't I mean, even I'll, get anything you know, I'll give them a, you know, 10 points. They what can the keep fuck? the change. Keep a dollar. Well. 10 points. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because people <laughs> always go, oh, it's because you're on the road that you can't have kids. It's like, no, I wasn't on the road for the first 15 years of comedy. I, it's nothing to do with comedy. Yeah. I, I am not emotionally equipped to have children. I don't want them. But right. it's certainly makes it easier to go on tour when you don't have to think about having kids, but they really have nothing to do with each other. Right. Well, that was another point I was actually going to make with one of my comedy mentors who is married and has a kid and just turned 50, good guy. Uh, he told me early on, he's like, if you want to do this thing, don't get married and have kids. He says, don't get me wrong. I love having one, my wife and everything, but it definitely takes its time pull. And why fucking wouldn't it? It's like another human decision-making machine, you know, yeah. running around who doesn't know that they don't know anything. It's a lot easier, I think, if you had, like, if you were a TV writer or an actor and you had a job you went to every day, it might still be long hours, but you know where you live and you don't have to go anywhere and you can have a kid. Right. But traveling and comedy and going for it or whatever, I think if you're somehow Jim Gaffigan or whatever, who's yeah. been quite successful for a long time like he has enough money to not have to perform every five minutes mm -hmm. he has he can bring his family with him now like you can you just have to be really i think outstandingly successful to do both that's right yeah and like Jim needs like, that family for like material you know? <laughs> that well that is true too we are giving up a lot of material yes indeed so how long you been at this though for real i couldn't get like a I'd say, Please. well, I started in 97. Okay. So what is that? 22 years? 22 years. And I would say I've been touring for mm, to 11. Okay. So the first 11 years were Boston, New York, and L.A., just doing the local spots. Mm -hmm. I never, I didn't even know how to go on the road. Like, I didn't know... I think when you grow up in those cities that are so coast to coast, like there isn't a quick, I don't know, there was just, I didn't have the road understanding of I should learn how to host and then feature and then drive here and drive there. I, it Maybe it was a girl thing too, like it didn't seem appealing. I don't know. I just, I was always told I was different and weird and they wouldn't like me all over the country. So I just believed it and I stayed in the cities on either coast. Sure. And I worked my five minutes, my 10 minutes, my 15. And then eventually I just started doing half hours and hours of material, mm -hmm. um, practicing it, going, I know someday I'm going to go on the road and I need to know how to do this. And I haven't. I, I, so I, around L.A., I would rent a small theater and do 30 minutes, do an hour. So I had that skill set. 
And then when I started writing on that show Chelsea lately in 2008, oh, which that show, that, that show like really helped because we got to be on every week as ourselves and it gave us a fan base. And so then I just got to be a headliner right away. Right. I had gone out on the road with like Maria Bamford and Greg Barrett here and there featured for them because mm-hmm. they were friends of mine. But like it, I didn't make any money. I broke even. And it, was, right. it wasn't their fault. It was just that shit costs money, you know, to tour and to whatever. So. I, um, yeah, I, I got to kind of jump to headliner, but I felt really like, I know comics were talking shit. Like that was a big paranoia for me. Yeah. Cause that's how they get. That's how they all yeah. get. And I've learned to kind of just silence it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is the idea of having like any fans was like foreign to me when I fucking started this thing, you know? Right. So I was like, cool. If I have like. I'll just keep going with that and we'll build it. We'll find our niche. And uh, yeah, there's definitely been some uh, casting, for lack of a better word, where they'll say, You go host for this guy. And uh, yeah, that wasn't my audience. And you just learn yeah. to take those fucking bullets like a soldier, you know, and then you just kind of learn how to polish it up. That's a weird weekend when you work like a host and you're like five shows of like people that just don't fuck with you you know or your yeah. brand of anything but you learn to kind of temper it or not you know that's interesting because i think when i started out and i would think about like wow what would it be like to do a real comedy club and go on the road i never even thought it would be a specific audience coming to see me i always thought you just do random audiences and everyone loves you right or everyone hates you i never realized you could have some people love you, some people hate you. It, like slowly, these weird, these things that should seem obvious dawned on me. But I used to think I wasn't funny if I couldn't make everybody laugh. Yeah. And it's it's cr- I still feel that way, but I know it's wrong. Right. You can make a living with just just enough people knowing you or liking yeah. you. But I really, it kills me that deep down, like I'm not like America's funniest person. <laughs> yeah. No, I think all funny people kind of have that feeling. A lot of times I'll tell myself, you know, like some of the funniest people I've ever known in my life will never do comedy. They won't set foot on one fucking stage. Where are you from? I'm from here, from D.C. Okay, yeah. So I think it's the same in Boston. The funniest people I know were people I grew up with. And I, I, I swear to God, I'm doing comedy because because they taught me how to be funny and i probably have appropriated 10 different people's personalities and senses of humor and certainly yeah and i I, know i I don't know if it's an east coast thing but these people are so funny yeah no that's true they don't have any use for getting on stage and they wouldn't do even like a tenth of the work if i fucking sat there and told them oh yeah you know this 15 minutes i'm doing you know this took like five years of like (laughs) right they'd be like the fuck out of here like i want to (laughs) watch the game like turn that fucking noise down it takes like years to get 15 minutes (laughs) and and nobody would even think that or want to put in the time. Or there was even this notion that, like, well, you must not be that good at it then if it's taking you <laughs> that long to 15. Come on. You know, and, and that's why I think it's hard. Like, I think Boston's a hard city because they are funnier than you in yeah. that audience. There's probably people that are funnier than you. It's a lot. I went to up there for them. one week and just did stuff. Just. That's kind of what I do sometimes. I'll just buy a plane ticket or whatever mm. and then just. I'll always find people now with social media and shit and 
just go and do rooms and go around. And yeah, yeah that definitely was like a hardcore goddess city for stuff like that. It yeah. was tough at some points. Yeah. Mostly it crushed what I was doing, but my stuff's a little bit more, it's nuanced, it's a little darker, and then it's also just kind of, it's edgy, you know? It's nice when you can do dark stuff and people like it. I, like, I appreciate Boston for that. Yeah. They want the dark. Right. Most of them, I think, yeah. did, except the only place where I got some kind of like, mm, it was, uh, what is it, the Middle East in Cambridge. Oh. But that's they like. They do comedy there now? Yeah, they did. But back in 2014 when wow. I went, it was a I Tuesday night. I used to go night. see um, punk bands when I was a young thing yeah. in the Middle East. Yeah. Oh, I my would, God. I'd go up there back when, when I'd go up there before comedy to see like underground rap acts and stuff oh that's come cool from boston they'd go up there they had yeah. a big underground hip-hop scene back i then. had no idea yeah, i was on the other nights with the the, the punk the stuff punks <laughs> yeah the, the the drop kicks or was it are they from boston or they're from they might be i don't know but i don't i didn't see them ever but i know who you're talking about but i, I think they might be uh, the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, I didn't see any like local. It was just like whoever's rolling through. Okay. Yeah. Who were the big Boston punk people though back when? You don't know. You just you no, were just I like No, I was whatever. really like I was more into like the Seattle Riot Girl like oh, girl okay. punk band so when they would tour. Gotcha. I'd see them at the Middle East, but I don't know who was local. Someone's knocking on the door. Yes, they are. Do Come we let in. them in? Come on in. We're just podcasting. Yeah, yeah. Come on in. Don't be Can afraid. They hear us? They might be. Well, yeah, they would. Oh, yeah, they're just looking through the peephole now. Oh, come on now. in. Come on. Don't be bashful. Come on in. Hey. Is it locked? Um, oh, hi. Sorry, I don't know if you could hear us. We were like, come on in. We're just podcasting. Yeah, yeah. No, right. don't even worry about no it. No thing. Um, the waitress has arrived with uh, libations and... Oh, food, food runner. runner. I'm it sorry. It looks like carrot sticks. I don't know what they're I calling had that last people night. anymore. Yeah, the carrot sticks. Not bad. It's not bad. Okay. <laughs> and tonight I'm eating donuts. Bavarian pretzels are the big deal here. Oh, really? Yeah, with All the right. hot cheese. That's good, right? Oh, Hell man. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. I got to take it easy on the cheese or I start to sound like I'm drowning. Yeah. I'm like, it's rough stuff. <laughs> No, they used to have these mac and cheese bites here that were the uh, fucking shit. But I don't know. They changed the menu. Times change. When nothing I go harder to comedy, I don't like to eat. Oh, I know. Nothing harder than change. I don't think I like to eat when I see. I don't really know if I go see comedy, but it's like eating mm-hmm. goes with it. Eating with comedy. Yeah, no. I just laugh. And I, I kind of have to, though, because I don't drink any longer. I haven't for like. 13 oh, so years almost, so I need something to consume. Well, just to make the minimum. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, to pay for it. Right. The yeah. stupid food and drink minimum at places. I thought you meant just to have something to do. Yeah. While you I mean, there. if I'm here, because this is home, they'll let yeah. me go in and I can eat you know, on discount. You know, if owners, if you're listening, don't fucking cut my podcast. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if I go elsewhere and I got to pay, I'm like, well. They should give you free food. You're doing a podcast from the draft house which really is just an advertisement listen for to it. jen colleen and you should get free food it's not costing listen them anything jen, tim <laughs> and if you want to drop some money then it it listen is a good jen, tip for the Greg. weed stuff <laughs> yeah i mean really no, they, they hear it all look at these fucking grenade mics these super these 55s. are gorgeous these are beautiful right 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what's on the Jen Kirkman tour? Like, what's the next couple of <laughs> uh, steps? I don't know. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm getting, I get tired more easily these days. And my voice goes out a lot. So I try, I can't go like 10 days in a row, 10 different cities. So I, I go back and forth and back and forth. And I do a mixture of comedy clubs and of my own little spaces. Mm-hmm. So I'll do like a, a theater. When I say theater, I don't mean like 5,000 seats. I mean a few hundred. So I'll do a theater. Right. I'll do a, a comedy club. I do, I do a mix. So my next stop uh, in the next couple months, I'll be in Seattle and Dallas and Portland, Oregon and Salt Lake City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, duh. Pittsburgh, Philly. And then I'm adding some more like stuff in the summer, which I found is a good time to tour. They used to say it's not. Maybe it's not a good time for comedy clubs, but I did like a Omaha, Nebraska, Iowa City, like that kind of like, yeah. as they say, secondary market yeah. in the summer. And people were like, awesome. It was for the people that live there. And Fly over maybe, states, sure. Yeah, they don't have, they're not necessarily the people that are going to vacation during yeah. the summer and you do a weeknight. People of modest they come out after work. Yeah, they come out after work. And I think summertime is an easier time to get people to come out after work because it's light out and they're yeah. they're in a good mood. It's not like going out after work on the East Coast and it's snowy and you just want to go to mm. bed. So I think it's a great time. So anyway, I'm going to try to do more stuff like that. But I've got Seattle in five days and there's like a snowstorm there. So I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get in because it's supposed to be like it's a it's called Snowmageddon right now. That was what we had back in 2010. Yeah, this is like that. Yeah. Like the 70 mile an hour winds, like 20 inches of snow, and it's supposed to keep going all week. So I, it might not, it might have to be canceled. Oh, shit. I know. I can't really deal with that right now. Because no. <laughs> I want that money, money. today. Yeah. I don't want to reschedule. Oh. That's cool. You live in LA now and stuff? Yeah, I've yeah. been there since 2002. And you like it okay? I yeah. like it because. My friends are there and my life is there. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be in the warm weather. I don't have a warm weather life. Mm-hmm. But I do like it. It's not anything terrible like people think it is. Yeah. I love all my friends are from the East Coast. They're mm-hmm. all comics. Sometimes I I work in TV a little bit here and there. So it's like it's a good pl- I'd rather live in New York, but no one I know is there anymore. Really? They all moved to L.A.? Everyone moved. I think you just like more space, less money, and people got sick of the winters. But now I'm sick of the weather. I'm sick of warmth. So I want to, yeah. Yeah, you get older, and that cold starts really fucking with you in ways you never thought it would. Well, I'm the opposite. Like, I hated it, and I ran out of there in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, I miss the cold. I don't know what's happening. That is weird. It's so strange. I just love bundling up and, like, you know what it is, is I like to be inside a lot, cozy and writing. And it feels weird if it's 80 degrees outside. Like, I feel like I'm supposed to be outside. Yeah, sweating and writing is <laughs> never no. really the deal. It's not. And uh-uh. neither is air conditioning and writing. I just, I don't know. I'm not. Some, there's something about the hearth, you know, yes. the warm fireplace, the crackling fucking 
Whipping Crosby chestnuts. And oh shit. my god, totally. You look I out need the that. window, you see some like snowflakes just gently falling, no snowmageddon, but just like a you know, post nuclear winter, some day after shit, you know what I do mean? Do you know that I mentioned the day after my Yeah, act? I do. Oh, Actually okay. because one of the people up front was telling me that because yeah. I don't know what how the topic came up, but we were talking about kind of like old movies and things like that and I, you know, she remarked, oh, yeah, did you hear Day After joke? And I said, no, my memory of the day after, I was watching that in government class. The day after came out probably when I was, like, three, yeah. you know? So then back when I was, like, 17, we're taking our government class in school that was, like, mandatory. And they played it for us. And, the, you know, I was sitting back next to my sociopathic best friend, you know, and they have the scene where the big giant fucking missile gets launched up. Yes. And he's like, that's my penis, dude. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's what Ooh, I remember about that movie. So yeah, that that movie came out, I was probably like eight, and I watched it on TV with my parents, and I talk about how they just were like, this is reality. We might get nuked. we got to know what to do. Mm -hmm. The movie didn't really tell you what to do. Just everyone died as yeah. what happened. They were like, this is the way it works. You're just, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if you're as serious as Jason Robards. At the end, you're going to be crying like a little I bitch like him. I love you know this. Like, Jason yeah. Robards, I always say he just disintegrates at the end. Yeah. And it's so funny because... I was talking about it on stage, but a lot of the younger people had never heard of it. And I said, go home tonight uh. and watch it on YouTube. And two people uh, found me on Instagram and they said, we're watching that documentary you recommended. They called it a documentary. I'm like, you know that. <laughs> you go on the YouTube thing happen. and they'll be like, like this if Jen Kirkman brought you here. <laughs> I know I should get royalties or something. I mention it a lot. Yeah, maybe you can get like a shirt with like Jason Robards printed <laughs> on it or something's face and maybe I could get a nuke. Yeah. You know, just like an empty nuclear warhead or something. I'd take that. Yeah. Use it as like a barca lounger. Or like yeah. a like a lay lounge for your pool or something. I was thinking of like you know, you could almost make it like a standing ashtray. Yeah. And I know I don't smoke, but, you know, people could. It yeah. It just look cool. Right. Just, it's just like having a fire pit in your backyard. Oh, that's a great. I would love that. I mean, most people only utilize that, in my experience, like once a year. Oh, really? And then, you know, it's just for people to ash in for the yeah, rest that makes of the sense. time. They're like, no smoking in the house. No, <laughs> just put in your fucking fire pit. I think they're more of a big deal on the West Coast because people are outside more. Yeah, they seem. I seem to see that in like these spa pictures and stuff. You yeah. know, you can sit there and put on your Birkenstocks and capture <laughs> the natural, you know, perks of what it was like in the caveman era. And we got free Wi-Fi out on the fucking patio. That's just whatever. like the cavemen did. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's about. Yeah. In the end of the day, uh, before we peace, I definitely want to uh, have a couple of announcements here for what the draft houses are doing oh, good. in the very near future so uh at arlington next week we have mr i believe it is ricky Vellis. he is coming here uh he is from comedy central and netflix's master of none 
10 o'clock on the 15th, 9.30 on the 16th. You can follow us at CounterCurrents on Instagram or the Facebook page or Currents DC on Twitter for a chance to win three free pairs of tickets to his show. Um, and, hey, if you don't like our content, just follow us, you know, to get a chance to win. And if you don't win, unfollow us and then follow us again the next week for another chance for the next week's headliners. So, you know. We don't have to love everybody, but we want your like, you know. That's all that matters. Posterity. That's yep. right. Jen gets it. Um, and then at the D.C. Draft House on the 15th and 16th, we will have none other than Ms. Megan Gailey from Conan at Midnight Comedy Central uh, Friday the 15th, 7 and 9 Saturday the 16th at 7 and 9, uh, followed by my home show, uh, Three Guys on Saturday Night Comedy Showcase at 1045. But for a chance to win those three free pairs of tickets to Megan Gailey, you can follow us at Currents DC Twitter, Counter Currents Instagram, and Counter Currents Facebook page. Um, so, Jen. Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. You're so welcome. We've talked nuclear shit and mm-hmm. fire pits and, you know, all the stuff that I'd planned on, basically. My wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. this was great. And I have something to do between shows, and I'm about to get on stage, and oh, then I'll be in bed soon. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, nice my pleasure. You. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Peace. Peace! I hope that went all right. <laughs>